Welcome to Mo Man Talk. I'm your host, Shiso Mo. On today's episode, we have a gentleman that is a hardcore fisherman. He's from the Midwest of the 10,000 lakes. And yes, he's actually fished about a thousand of those lakes already. He's been to a, quite a few competitions and actually won quite a few of those as well. He loved the passion of fishing so much, he started making lures out of his garage. Those who are in the local Twin City has bought some of these lures. And his brand, King Bro Lures, aka KBL. That's all welcome, Danny from KBL. Are you looking for the latest Hmong inspired menswear? Well, look no further. She sells menswear, makes suit accessories, apparels, uh, and you can find them at www.xixomenswear.com. We are super excited today, guys. Guess what? We're going fishing. Is that what we're doing, KBL, a.k.a. Kane oh, yeah. Brother Lures? This is Danny we're talking <laughs> to, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, this is Danny Kane. Um, that's 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 what everybody calls me by is Danny. Uh, my, you know, my given main name is Dang, um, you know, for uh, Dan in, in Mon. So um, <clears throat> those who know me from when I was little, uh, my real name is Dang. But uh, growing up in, into the fishing world and everything, everybody, everybody's just giving me kind of like the name uh, Danny. So now everybody kind of calls me Danny K. For this episode, we're going to call you Danny. Yep, and that works. <laughs> we are super excited to have you on. Uh, I'm a seasonal fisherman myself. I know you're pretty hard printed. Obviously, you have your own brand. If you can see, if those can see and watch, he's, watch, he's wearing his gear, man. It's pretty dope. We're talking <laughs> Mong Inspired and dope gear, man. Oh, yeah. I, I got the Mong Inspired shoulders, you know, yeah. got to represent, you know, uh, uh, you know, show our, our pride of, you know, the Mong people, you know, and and uh, sh- showcase ourselves out there, you know, that way, you know, everybody kind of sees us Hmong people and, and kind of recognize us and, and know where we are, where we're coming from. Awesome, awesome. So, Danny, how did you get into bass fishing? Um, fishing has always been uh, a part of my family, you know, growing up, you know, from my grandparents, you know, to, to my uncles and, you know, my dad and others. Uh, my dad wasn't a huge fisherman, um, but my grandpa was, and he lived with us, and, um, you know, they used to always take us out, you know, uh, locally here, you know, such as like Como Lake, Balin Lake, uh, Hudson, and stuff like that. And it kind of just, um, the outdoor activities, you know, such as hunting and fishing kind of just grew into us. You know, we just kind of followed the footsteps of, you know, my dad and my uncles and my grandpa. Um, Do you remember <clears throat> the age you first picked up a fishing rod? Um... I would have to say probably maybe four or five. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely I, young. I, I remember when I was like seven or eight, I used to walk. I lived in Frogtown. I used to walk from my house to Como Lake at the age of seven or eight. Um, back then, that 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 seemed okay. Um, it, it, you know, when you look at the age now, it's it's a little scary. But uh, back then, you know. I mean, uh, you know, you used to walk that, you know, two mile track, you know, with your friends, go fishing at Como Lake. Um, it, it's always been a passion of mine. I, I don't know how it came about, but uh, it, it was very interesting, you know, uh, um, you know, because, uh, you know, everybody in my family did it, you know. You are located in 10,000 lakes. Have you fished every single one of them? <laughs> I wish I'd say I could, but um, I, I'd say I'm around like a thousand. Whoa, that's a good, <laughs> that's a big fair number ready. Yeah. If there's, I mean, we're going to get technical, it's like 12,300, <laughs> something like that. 
I almost yeah. forgot the number of Twin City. Oh, I mean Minnesota lakes, a thousand lakes. Uh, you know what? What's your favorite top three lake of those? Um, <clears throat> top three lake. I would have to say uh, Malax is probably my number one. Um, just just because it has a very good fishery um, that uh, anybody can go there and, and catch fish. Um, my second, I would have to say, is uh, Lake Minnetonka. Um, <clears throat> it consists of like 10 bodies of water, 10 different lakes. And I, I, I put it up there just because it's very challenging. Um, each connecting lake that is part of uh, Minnetonka has its own um, cool features, you know, um, you know, such as structure to um, water color, you know, water color, uh, quality to, you know, everything. So every lake is a challenge, you know, that's connected to Minnetonka. And that's why I put that up there. You know, there's still a lot of big fish in there. And with all the uh, pleasure boaters and all the other fishermen, um, it, it's always a great challenge. And that's why I put that up there as well, because when I want to challenge, you know, I go out there to one of the, you know, to Lake Minnetonka where it, it's a very tough lake. Um, it, it is very rewarding. We do uh, find the fish on Lake Minnetonka, but then again, like I said, it, it is very challenging. Uh, <clears throat> my third, uh, I would say Lake Waconia. Um, that one, I, I put it up there as number three goes because, um, Back then, when me and my brother fished in a tournament, um, we pulled in almost 32 pounds uh, of, of bass just for eight fish. And that was um, a record for, for our club back then. Uh, <clears throat> and it's always been um, a, a great fishery before we fished in tournaments. And when we were able to fish it as, as, a, as a lake in one of our clubs, you know, we were super excited. Um, we did it four years in a row, I believe it was, and we won every single year. So it's, you know, it's one of my top lakes that you know, I, I, I go and I recommend for people to go as well. We're going to get back and talk about those competition tournaments, but why is bass fishing so fun? Um, I, I think bass fishing is so fun just because um, there's so many ways of how you can, how you can fish for them. Um, you, you could catch them. Uh, striking your lure on, on top water. You could fish them uh, in the middle of the water column, or you could fish them on the bottom you know, of the lake. So I, I think because you can do all that, um, and it's, it's one of the best you know, fish that can, can, can actually relate to all three, um, I think that's why um, a lot of people uh, go after them. They, they have this leaping ability that can, you know, they can propel themselves, you know, three, four feet out of the water um, multiple times, you know, during the fight uh, of when, you know, when you first catch it till you get to the boat or when you bring it, you know, to land it on shore. And I, I believe um, with that excitement, that adrenaline, you know, everybody wants to seek it, you know, seek that. Out of those three striking, striking, what do you like seeing them up the best? Bottom jigging or, or what? Uh, I I prefer top water. I, oh. I love top water. You know the, the explosion. You know. Um, yeah, me too, man. Yeah, yeah. Fishing with frogs. You know what I mean. You you never know when they're gonna come out and take it. And, and when they do take it, you know your heart is just racing. You know you you're just waiting to to set the hook and, and feel that big fish at the end of the line. You know because you know that um, when you're fishing top water, uh, 
uh, nine out of 10 times, it's a big fish, you know, because it, it, you're throwing a big frog. So, you know, your, your chances of landing are something big, you know? Yeah. The bigger the water popped, the bigger the fish too. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Do you get, uh, uh, I call it in the, in the, in the Midwest during the winters and you're on YouTube or you're on like Instagram, you're watching these top water strikes and I get like bass fever and you're watching a video and you see a topwater strike and when they set i'm like setting with them too because <laughs> you know, i've been waiting all year to you know oh, yeah. topwater right do you get that feeling yeah. too yeah sometimes i get that feeling uh, you know because you know you're anticipating you know especially that you know that four or five months that you're you're cooped up you know yeah, and, yeah. And so you, you know you're just waiting to get back out there and, and yeah you know like you said you know we go on you know social media you know and, and and see the, the, the guys from down south that still fishing yeah. or even old videos, you know. And, yeah, it, it's always a, a great excitement, you know, when you're, you're preparing yourself, you know, for, for the next season, you know. Um, and it's, it's always enjoyable, you know. It's like, you know, it's like a, a movie you could continuously rewatch, you know, over and over and over again, you know. It's just that excitement, you know. Indeed. Now, what kind of bait or lure do I need to get to start bass fishing? Um, for starters, the, the easiest what I tell people is um, a, a spinner, uh, a spinner bait or a stick bait. A stick bait is, is the general term, but um, a, a lot of people have called it uh, Senko because uh, it, it, you know, started from Gary Yamamoto. Um, that was his line and he called that stick bait um, a, a Senko. That was his name. Um, now everybody kind of refers it to as um, a Senko or a Wacky. Um, when, when they say, when they refer to it as wacky, it's, it's more of, you know, you hook that stick bait in the middle. Um, <clears throat> and then when you jig it, you know, the, the two ends kind of just fold in and out. So that's why they call it wacky rig. Cause it's not really the proper way of rigging it. So that's, you know, so, um, those two I'd say are, are the most universal and the easiest to get somebody who's, who's interested into starting. I got to pick me some of that up, man. <laughs> we're both in the twin city here i honestly have not uh out bass fishing because i just moved here like three and four or five months ago and i just got my fishing license like <laughs> the other day where can i go bass fishing man um honestly from shore uh if you're talking shore um even though phelan is is really pressured lake it has a lot of good fish that uh, cruise the shorelines um como is very under pressure I would say go to Como. It's a lot smaller um, <clears throat> because you can actually jog, walk, and fish at the same time, and, and that can be the said for Phelan as well. But uh, Como will probably Como Lake by Como Zoo. It will probably yield you, you know, give you, you know, a, a better opportunity of ca of catching, you know, multiple um, fish and sometimes even good fish. Um, Como Lake has had a winter kill way back then, but now it's starting to recuperate. Um, the you know with with the proper stocking of the minnesota dnr you know um <clears throat> they've done a great job of of you know bringing it back como lake and so there's there's a lot of good healthy fish you know bass um in como lake that uh you know can be caught i'll keep note of that i'll definitely keep note of that and go out there and, and uh, throw my uh my hook in, in there <laughs> oh yeah let's talk about hooks man for like let's say uh, a cinco setup what is a four slash zero hook is that too big okay. of a size for that yeah, uh, uh, four odd, uh, four slash zero means that slash means odd. That's kind of how they, you know, distinguish the the sizes. If it doesn't have the, um, so the way the hooks are sized, 
um, it goes from like one to 32, you know, and then, um, you know, one slash whatever. So if you're just talking um, direct whole numbers such as one through, let's just say 10, um, 10 will be smaller. You, you're, you're working your way, you know, <clears throat> um, down uh, to one, one being bigger. And then when you put that odd in there, one is smaller, and then you work your way up to like a seven odd, and it becomes really big. So it's kind of confusing to, to a lot of people. Um, but when you, know, when you look at, you know, like let's just say flies and stuff, um, they'll say number 12 hook. And then you look at another one, it says number eight, but how come is number eight size hook is bigger than number 12? You know, so it gets kind of confusing. But, um, you know, like I said, as a whole number, you know, it's, it starts from larger down to smaller. You know, that's how you go by the size. And it's opposite as one odd. Um, so four odd is more for like um, Texas rig um, or punching, um, you know, flipping creature bait. Um, <clears throat> for such as, you know, like I was talking about wacky rig, I would go with uh, one slash zero or one odd. That's what they call it. Uh, one eye is is the ideal size. Cool. I'll put that in mind and look for that that hook. Um, we're about what into spring and summer now. Uh, is it the post spawn or pre spawn already? Um, right now, it's it's not. Well, okay. So generally, in, in the local Twin Cities right here, it should be it's post spawn. Um, you go a little bit further north, like an hour. Two hours away we're just at the peak of the spawn uh there's still some coming in but majority of the fish have spawned the water temps um <clears throat> in the northern lakes uh you know let's say malax they're, they're around 68 degrees um the lakes around here they're more around 74 75 so that's you know you're sitting at the post spawn already you know the fish are starting to move back you know uh, to the to their summer locations uh some of the other fish that spawn late they're still um, <clears throat> babysitting their, you know, their, their, you know, their, their babies. Um, the babies are averaging about um, half an inch right now, half inch to three quarter inch. So they're they're right at the part, uh, the point where they're about to abandon the babies and you know head back out. During the spawns, uh, the bass are super aggressive too, and they'll chase anything out of the waters. Uh, sometimes they won't even react to a strike, even though you throw a sinko in there, just trying to make them <laughs> react to it. This won't yeah. take it. What would yep. you throw in there if you're coming from a boat? Um, from a boat, uh, the first thing I, I, I approach with is, is a jig. Um, you know, I, I throw one of my jigs, and what I do is um, <clears throat> I actually with a, a finesse presentation. Uh, finesse meaning I, I trim down the skirt, make it a little bit thinner so it's not so bulky, so it's not huge. You know, and then I'll throw a trailer in there, you know, such as, you know, a, a rage craw, crawfish, or you know, one of my KBL flappers, you know, a little three inch. And I, I keep it compact, but still big enough. Um, and then, you know, I, I try to stay um, a, a pretty good distance, you know, like 20 feet if I can, you know, 20, 30 feet if I can. Um, <clears throat> that way, you know, the, 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 the rule of thumb is if you can see the fish, the fish can see you. And, and usually, generally, when, you, when, when that happens, you're not going to get bit. Um, but there, there are ways to get it to bite, you know, such as irritating the fish, um, finding the sweet spot on the bed that will draw that fish to take your lure. Um, there is always a sweet spot on that bed that you can get that fish to, you know, you can irritate and agitate the, you know, the, 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 
guarding male to take your lure. Sometimes those are more like an attack uh, or, or more like a attack kind of on a strike versus a defensive strike. Because, you know, for example, yep. you're throwing. Definitely. Yeah, you're throwing something similar to a bluegill pattern, right? And it just, yep. it just wants to chase off. It's, it's, not, it's not a hungry strike. It just wants a yep. reaction strike to chase off your, your so-called lure that looks like a bluegill. Because you're trying to imitate, a, like, let's say a bluegill to come attack. It's fry. So it really yep. is just attacking back. And that's when yep. it strikes back, correct? Oh yeah, definitely. And and, and what it's doing is um it is is trying to um kill whatever is trying to attack its baby. So you know, out of protection. So when you throw your lure out there, you know, if it was just trying to chase it away, it'll just kind of bump it. You know, so sometimes you see fish kind of bump it, but when you irritate it enough, it will actually inhale, engulf your lure, you know, and and try to kill it, and then move it off the bed and spit it back out. And so if, if you, you know, want to learn a little bit, you know, you could, you could take a plastic, um, let's just say a, a sinko or, or wacky or, or warm and just tie it on there. Don't tie a hook or anything. And you could throw it out to a bed and you could see it. They'll grab it, pick it up and move it off the bed and spit it back out, you know, because they're just, they're trying to keep their bed clean, trying to keep the fries, you know, uh, uh, you know, safe. So that's, that's what they do. Right. It's not even, again, a hungry strike. It's just yeah. protection. And wants to move <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I see. I see. During, um, after the post spawn, do you find it pretty hard to track them down now? Um, the, after the post spawn, it's, um, you resort to your summer spots when you have a boat. Um, I have a boat, so, you know, I, I, I typically um, push off of the, you know, the shoreline. I'm, I'm sitting, depending on the lake, but on average, you're sitting about 8 to 12 feet of water. Um, if a lake has good structure, uh, such as rocks, then you look for rocks mixed with weeds. And, and typically these fish will, you know, uh, congregate, you know, on these rocks, um, given that there's, there's bait fish around. Um, otherwise they, they, they will seek, uh, points. Um, when I say points where, you know, it is shallow and then it tapers and drops into deep water. Um, that's like their safe haven, you know, where, where they can, you know, if there's any danger, they could just drop back down to deep water. You know, they'll come up, you know, during the morning or at night, you know, they'll feed up a shallows and then they'll kind of back down, you know, if there's any danger. So those, those are like the, the, the key areas, you know, um, uh, such as, you know, like I say, when you're out in a lake and it's a brand new body of water, um, look for obvious landmarkers, you know, like, you know, points, you know, and, and curves and stuff around the lake. And so those are, are you know, uh, given, you know, easy, um, uh, easy spots that you can always try first. You see, with what you're describing, these bass are kind of an ambush kind of fish, and they sit in structure like maybe a log or or, or a, a big pile of trees or rocks. Am I correct? Yes, yes, they are. They they are somewhat an ambush fish, but they they don't want to be classified as ambush fish. But you know, if you really look at it, you know, they they do hide. You know, such as in docks. Or under lily pads, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I think a uh, majority of all the fish that we fish in the freshwater are ambush fish, you know, they do have to kind of protect themselves. And then, you know, when, you know, the forage, you know, the bait fish does come through, they do, you know, jump out and attack, you know, um, I, I believe um, they classify northern pike more as an ambush fish because they're so aggressive, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that's, <clears throat> that's where they get their name from, you know. But uh, bass, you know, I, I, I still consider bass as ambush fish. 
I mean, Bass has another brother of a spotted and a, a smallmouth too. And I, I fish for a small, uh, for a spotted where I think uh, spotted doesn't have much of a structure. They're just kind of go whatever, do whatever kind of fish. Yep. Yep. They sit out in the open. Um, they, they, they like to suspend and roam out, you know, in, in the, the big body, the basin, what we call a basin of the lake. Um, and then when they do, they do follow the bait fish, you know, such as uh, shad, uh, herring, you know, um, shiners and stuff like that. They do, they do follow those bait fish. And when they do come up upon, let's just say, uh, a deep brush pile or a deep point, they, they will sit there and, and let the bait fish come in, but they are very mobile. They're, they're kind of like white bass, you know, they, they kind of move around quite a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. What about uh, smallmouths? Smallmouth. They're, they're very tricky. They, they like very deep water. Um, I, I've caught them down to 28 feet of water. Um, <clears throat> majority of the time, they, they do average a little bit deeper. They're sitting about 18, 20, you know. Um, they're, to me, I, I think they're, they're, they're very challenging because you have to really find the correct lure to get them to commit. Um, they will chase your lure back to the boat or to the shore. But a lot of times they won't commit. They're, they're, Man, sounds like that girlfriend I was trying to ask on a date. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's very tough. You know, the smallies are are very tough when it comes to the summer bite. Um, when you do get them, the best is in the spring and the fall. That's when they're the most aggressive. You know, and and versus largemouth, largemouth, they're more aggressive in the summertime because well, they're they're aggressive throughout the year, but in the summertime, it's it's not that hard to get them. You know, versus smallmouth. You know. Um, smallmouth, they, they prefer kind of like a little bit cooler water, you know. I, in my honest opinion, I feel like a smallmouth is slightly more pickier in what it wants to eat versus a largemouth uh, almost takes anything. Oh, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> when, when, you know, um, but then again, like I said, it, it becomes seasonal um, as how these fish react. But uh, dead of summer, I would say largemouth are easier. And then it would be uh, spotted and then uh, smallmouth. When fishing, let's say bass, when should you use like a bait caster versus a spinning reel? Um, bait cast and spinning, um, more so spinning wise, it, it's more of a finesse presentation. It's, it's better when you're running finesse. Um, lighter tackle, uh, like four, six pound line test and little light lures, like one eighth ounce, quarter ounce, you know, little swim baits, little creatures. Um, little spoons and stuff like that uh when you or, or drop shot you know let's just say drop shot you know um nine out of ten guys will run a spinning on drop shot but they're you know uh, um <clears throat> as technology has evolved a lot of companies have came come out with these bait caster um these finesse bait casters where they're small you can cast crappie lures and it's it's very you know palmable it's very you know um the the, the it's you could say um, it's more comforting, you know what I mean? When you, when you, when you can hold a bait caster, you just have that, that better grip, you know? Um, some guys prefer that spinning grip. Some guys can never get away from the bait caster grip, you know, once they feel it. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh, spinning, I run for both, uh, for, for a lot of my applications. You know, I, I've done uh, jig fishing with spinning. I've done Texas rig with spinning. What's the difference between fluorocarbon, monofilament, and braid line? Okay, so braid is more of a, you know, kind of like a nylon, you know, um, 
<clears throat> fabric. Um, plastic, uh, floral and mono is made up of, you know, different types of plastic. Uh, mono being, um, it, it's short for monofilament. Um, it, it, it's just a plastic that has more stretch. Um, <clears throat> mono and braid, they tend to float, whereas floral carbon, it's a sinking line. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Uh, it, it's it's an in-between between a braid and a, and a monoline. Monoline stretches a lot more. It floats. Fluorocarbon, it's a little bit uh, stronger. So it, it has less stretch, but it sinks. Braid, it's got the, you know, strongest. It, it's got this, um, what you call it, um, the least amount of stretch, but it's not as abrasive, you know, abrasive resistance as floral. Let's say if you're using a frog, what would you be a pick of a uh, line, a braided line? Yeah. Um, if I'm using like topwater frogs when I'm fishing in, in heavy cover, such as, you know, uh, slop, you know, they call that slop, which is just, you know, thick weeds. Um, <clears throat> I would go with braid. I typically run a 50 or 65 pound braid. That way you have leverage, you know, when they start to dig down, uh, you could, you could horse them, you can bring them back out. Uh, floral, some guys use it, but then you're, you're, you tend to go in like 25, 30 pound floral, and that's a pretty big line. I honestly don't trust it. I still go braided. <laughs> I'll still go oh, yeah. braided. Yeah, for sure. It might snap because you don't know how thick the weeds are, you know? Yep, definitely. Now we got our fishing line. We got our, our rod. Now, so what kind of knot would you tie on, on there? Um, knot, uh, average. What I normally go with most of my setups is, is just a regular fisherman's knot. Um, a lot of guys like polymer or a double polymer um, because it's pretty quick. It's a small little knot, but it's a very strong knot. You know, it's, it, you know, it's a very easy knot to learn. Um, <clears throat> I think polymer knot is probably one of the easier knots to learn. Um, but uh, growing up, I've always ran the fisherman's knot, and I've always trusted it. I, I did modify it a little bit um, <clears throat> that way. Uh, it doesn't slip on me, so what I what I end up doing is, um, I'll I'll run it through the eye twice before I run my, before I do my knot. That way, you know that it doesn't slip. You mentioned earlier about Texas rig. Can you kind of visually tell us how that would look like? Um, a, a Texas rig. Uh, what a lot of uh, anglers do is they run like an off shank hook or an EWG hook, uh, which at the front of the hook you got the eye. And then it, it kind of uh, bends into like a 90. Um, so it kind of bends down. And then it goes back <clears throat> to the round bend of the hook and the point. And with that little uh, bend, that little 90 degree bend by the hook eye, you know, what that does is when you uh, puncture the center of the, the plastic from the nose, and then you bring it just back, just about, I'd say like a quarter inch. And then you, you know, pull it through the plastic. And then once you pull it through the plastic and, and the eye gets to the nose of the plastic, you turn the, you turn the plastic and the hook eye. So now it sits on the little uh, quarter inch um, wire on, on before the 90 degree turn. And then it sits a little bit higher and then you take the, the needle point, um, <clears throat> you lay it straight and then you grab that plastic, you know, you thread it and then the hook, it, uh, you, you can expose it on top of the plastic, bring it all the way through from the bottom all the way up, and then um, skin, skin, uh, skin hook, when, you know, the tip of the, uh, the, the needle nose of the hook. That way, when you're running it through weeds, grass, or whatever, it doesn't get hooked up. 
Um, so ideally, this so uh, ideally be a plastic for maybe a warm setup or yep, a, a crab. Or, yep, or even like you know a a, a paddlefish um, swim bait. You know, a lot of guys run that as well. Um, so you know, there's the off shank hook, and then you have your EWG hook. You know, your EWG is extra wide gap. You know, so it has a, a really big belly. Um, <clears throat> for plastics that are a little bit bigger, um, those are a little bit easier to Texas rig um, were versus like a, a regular warm hook. It's just a straight shank hook. It looks kind of like a, um, a bait hook, you know, where, where it's just an eye straight down and round bend, you know. So those, those hooks, they're like the warm hooks, um, they tend to have a little plastic uh, keeper closer to the eye, you know, a little hook there where it kind of helps hold the plastic up to the eye. And then with that type of hook, you don't expose it. You just, you know, uh, pierce it from the belly, you know, from the bottom up about halfway, three quarters away. And then when the fish grabs, when you set the hook, then it actually, you know, pops through the top. With that hook, now what about a bullet weight? Is that needed? Um, a bullet weight is good if you're fishing a um, little bit deeper or if you're uh, throwing into heavy cover and you want it to um, get through to, to the bottom where the fish are, because um, typically the fish are underneath. Um, <clears throat> usually when you run a Texas rig uh, weightless, you're fishing open water, you know, uh, scattered um, thin weeds. But uh, when you run the bullet, you're, you're trying to contact the bottom or trying to contact the weeds and, and make a little disturbance so you can get the fish to you know, hear it and uh, see it and, 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 you know, come to it. So pretty much you're, would say you're covering a really deep, thick, uh, weeded area. You're punching through uh, with the weight. That's what the help weight's going to help out with that. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, um, there, there's, you know, you have weights from like one eighth ounce all the way up to, you know, two, three ounce, you know. Um, and, and it all depends on uh, the type of structure you're fishing, um, the area, you know, <clears throat> if it's scatter weeds. Or, you know, if it's rocks, you know, sand or whatever that you want, you're trying to um, fish. Cool. Why should, why should I practice catch and release? Um, catch and release is, is it's highly um, pushed amongst um, all anglers, new and old. Um, the, the reason why a lot of anglers push for that is so that we can um, keep, keep the fishery of a body of water um, at a high um, high quality as well as high quantity. Um, <clears throat> but just strictly catch and release, it, it can hurt a fishery. It can hurt a body, uh, body of water um, because if everybody does catch and release, there's not enough food for the, for the predators to maintain their size, their, you know, the weight and everything. And so the fish become stunted, you know, and, and they won't grow because you're overpopulated, you know. So um, catch and release has, has its pros and cons. But um, catch and release does provide the future anglers, you know, like such as our kids or, you know, our youth, you know, to, to you know, see what we're, see what we're seeing and, and catch what we're catching in, in the future. You mentioned earlier about spotted smallmouth and largemouth. What's the difference? Um, <clears throat> largemouth, they, as, as in um, generalizing area-wise, they're more of a shallower, you know, type of fish. Um, they're more green, 
um, <clears throat> they have a, a you know, really def, you know, defined um, black bar that runs through the center of them. Uh, uh, a small mouth is, is more brown. They have different types of tiger stripes or, you know, patterns along the side of the body, you know, uh, not, no two are ever alike. Whereas largemouth, they have the same pattern. Uh, spotted bass, <clears throat> it looks similar to a largemouth, but when you look on the side of the belly, you know, you, you'll see these little black specks, you know, black patterns on, you know, close to the belly, as well as their jawline. If you close their mouth, their jawline um, is like in the middle of their eye. I mean, most guys don't, um, don't distinguish it that way. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a spotted bass is more, the mouth is a little bit smaller. So that's, that's one of the dead giveaways. With all the fish you've caught, how can I tell if I have a bite, man? You sure it's just not a tree or thump or whatever it is? <laughs> um, what I tell people is hook sets are free, you know? So if you feel something at the end of your line, a little different, like, you know, like if you're really in open water and it was just very smooth, right? And it also is, it, it starts to get heavy. You know, it, it doesn't hurt to just set the hook, you know, if you're, if you're just casting it really. If you're like dragging it on the bottom, you know, um, you feel something heavy, like, you know, sitting there. What I'd always tell uh, uh, other anglers that I take out is you pull back a little bit. And if it pulls back, that means you got a fish. <laughs> if it doesn't pull back, that means you're probably just hanging up on some weeds or a rock or something. Um, uh, sometimes you feel that little thump or that little, you know, they call it tick, you know, where your, your line jumps or your, the rod tip jumps, you know. Um, those are really aggressive bites. You know when the bass really inhales your lure, uh, but sometimes you don't feel anything. Sometimes it's just like really mushy, you know, or you know you just feel the weight. You know, it's just like somebody's just slowly pulling your line away, or the the boat's moving, you know, or the current's taking your line. You know, that's 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 how I you know kind of tell anglers. You know, that's that's kind of how you distinguish between uh, rock, you know, or weeds, and and the gear that's that that we've been you know, blessed to have from all these great manufacturers has really um, excelled, uh, upped our game for the anglers to, in, in um, distinguishing bites um, versus back then, because back then rods were um, not as sensitive. So, it, you know, you really had a, had a good feel for it to, to understand and, you know, catch fish. Now um, things have come a long ways, you know, the high modulus graphites that uh, <clears throat> rod manufacturers are are building with um it has increased the sensitivity so we can feel everything and now like weeds and rock feels like bites so a lot of guys are setting hooks on 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 nothing you know i mean i, I take i take a lot of uh, uh you know I, I take youth as well as um uh, a woman you know fisherwoman you know um, i take them out and, and i try to show them you know how, how this you know works and all that and and when i'm taking them fishing like weed lines they feel weeds, or if I'm taking on rocks, they feel rocks, and they're setting hook all the time, you know. I'm sitting back giggling, you know. But, you know, I, I like to see that because that means that they're paying attention, you know. They're feeling stuff, you know. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's a good laugh, but, you know, it's, it's also a good experience. You talk about feeling. Have you ever pranked somebody? Let's say someone's sitting at the front of the boat, and you're coming from behind, you slightly tap the back of their uh, rod. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we've done that, you know, on, on some <laughs> of the slower days, you know. We, we've done that. We'll tap the back of the, you know, the rod butt. Or um, we've purposely crossed their line. 
and you know we'll just yank their line and then they feel like they have a fish and they're, <laughs> they're sending the hook so you know we, we've done that quite a bit oh can i catch a big bass from short oh yeah definitely definitely um you know it, it's it's all um place right place right time um and, and you know um <clears throat> from shore i'd say you know, your best opportunities are um like channels connecting lakes um, or a little bit of current or um if you can find lily pads lily pads or a weed uh, those are your best opportunity best places high percentage spots where uh, those big fish will come in and uh, early morning and evening are, are your best um windows to to you know try to land yourself you know five six pounder you know maybe even a state record you know and you know the state record is 815 eight pounds 15 ounce from minnesota so um we have seen some pretty big fish in, in some of these metro lakes um you know that that can surpass you know eight nine pounds since we're in the topic of our biggest bat ever caught what is your personal biggest bass ever caught uh, my biggest actually came from california uh it was a few years ago um <clears throat> me, me my family we happened to go on vacation um to visit you know um some family over there and me and my wife and my son we made it a trip to go to sacramento we were staying down in la and we went out we flew out to sacramento um i had a good friend out there that um you know took us out um <clears throat> it was right in, in the april time and um the fish that i caught um it, it actually wasn't meant to be mine I, I was you know trying to give my you know my son and my wife a chance to catch this big fish you know and um i was throwing it elsewhere and all of a sudden you know i i feel my line jump you know and so i just set the hook just just you know just to see what it was you know thinking maybe it was a smaller fish and it, it turned out to be this uh 10 pound largemouth that i was trying to get my wife and my son to catch <laughs> and so you know i mean i don't know if it's luck or what it was but you know um I, i'm very thankful to to catch it uh and uh it, it was a great fight uh, <clears throat> it got wrapped up in, in in some laydowns you know we had a you know my partner you know my friend he had a stick his whole arm down there it was like eight feet of water you know he had to stick the net and you know everything down there to to net the fish and uh, it, it was it was a great experience um i didn't mind catching it you know i, I like i said you know I, I did want my wife and son to catch it before i did uh, <clears throat> it's always been uh my passion is, is to because um, I've learned enough already, and so I, it's always been my passion to pass it on uh, to the youth and to the to the ladies as well. Six, uh, eight pounder in California, or six to eight is very common for California for a catch. But man, it's a struggle for Minnesota. <laughs> six oh, yeah. pounder, I can see you catching a like six pounder, maybe one or two a year, but that's a struggle. We're talking, you have to fish <laughs> a lot just to catch a six pounder out of Minnesota. What's oh, your yeah. biggest in Minnesota? My biggest in Minnesota is six and a half. And that, yeah, that came on a tournament as well. <laughs> oh, what? So that's, it, that's some bragging. I had a tournament too? <laughs> yeah, it, it was during a tournament. So, it, you know, it, it was, a, you know, a very, very lucky fish. Um, I did catch that fish two weeks prior to the tournament. Um, <clears throat> there was actually two six-pounders that we caught pre-fishing prior to the tournament. And uh, we caught them both. Uh, but the other one... Uh, lost some weight and it was 5.85 so it was you know just like you know 0.15 shy of you know another uh, six pounds 
So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, pre-fishing does help quite a bit. Um, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've caught a couple of six pounders in Minnesota, uh, but those are, are hard to come by. I kind of figured too, my personal best in Wisconsin was shy of a six. Yeah, <laughs> shy of a six. So, and we're talking, I've been fishing, I don't know how long, you know, and just to mm-hmm. get a five and a half, you know, shy of a six is, that's a struggle already. Oh yeah, definitely. It, it's always a, um, it, it's always a great challenge. And like I said, it's always a struggle. Um, <clears throat> one year I did come pre-fish Green Bay for one of the tournaments there. And, and I was on the Fox River. And I did see a largemouth that I would say easily pushed eight, nine pounds. Cool. Yeah. Saw it, but didn't take it. Yeah, I, I left it alone because yeah. I saw it. And, and I left it alone because it was uh, one week before tournament. So I left well, it let's alone. Talk about, let's talk about tournaments now. You fish, I don't know how many countless tournaments. You won a fair amount of them. Have you ever competed against other Hmong anglers, like maybe like Trevor Lowe or other anglers that are really um, high up there too? <clears throat> Trevor Lowe. Um, he, he's, he's, uh, up and coming angler. Um, so he just came in, you know, not that long ago. Um, I, I was fishing since back in like 2004. So, um, I've had a lot more years and experience over, you know, guys like, uh, Trevor Lowe. Um, <clears throat> he is a great angler. Um, I haven't competed with him, um, on, on, on a regular basis. Um, <clears throat> but I have competed in a few tournaments, uh, while he was in there as well. When competing in, in competition, I'm not sure I always know that you always pre-fish to get uh, kind of an idea of where the fish is going to be staging. Uh, am I correct? Yes. I mean, the, the pre-fishing, it's, it's very draining um, depending on the year. You know, sometimes, you know, you get lucky. Uh, some pre-fishes, you catch maybe one, two fish. In a tournament days, you catch the winning bag. And then sometimes it's the opposite, you know. Um, I, I've had tournaments where I pre-fished for two weeks straight. I caught nothing but big fish. You know, my five fish was 19, 20 pounds every time I went out for two weeks straight. Uh, come tournament day, the cold front came in. We only brought in 13 pounds. <laughs> so, a different yeah. day is a different lake, even though it was the oh, same yeah. lake. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, let's talk about this. Can you help maybe open the minds up for... A, a wife or a girlfriend that has a husband or a boyfriend that is a fish addict because some women hate it, either hate it or love it could you please give an open uh you know talk about that <laughs> open the minds of a woman that why are we such love to fish it's an addiction um the i i believe the the biggest thing about fishing that us guys do and, and the reason why we continue to do it is because um it's, it's very relaxing. The outdoors is very relaxing. It, it's a time where we can actually get away from everything, you know, from work, you know, from all the stress and everything. Not necessarily getting away from, you know, the, the wife, the spouse, girlfriend, or the kids or anything. It's just, just one of those where you just want to clear your mind, you know, just want to get out there uh, where you have nothing to worry about, you know. And um, <clears throat> I believe um, that plus the excitement of actually catching fish that also helped relieve some of that stress, you know? So, so, you know, I, I believe a lot of this, you know, anglers or our guys, we go out there. It's just to, you know, uh, you know, lift some of that weight off of our shoulders, you know, when we're having a bad day or a bad week, you know? For, for the Hmong women out there, you got your, your uh, <laughs> two cents for another angler. That's a hardcore fisherman. 
can. I, I would agree with you on that too. Is uh, just to have a lake, a rod, or a boat, you know, and just fish without just being, it's a stress reliever. That's how oh, yeah. I feel that, about it. Yeah. Now, let me ask you another thing here. What does it mean to be a Hmong man? What does it mean to, what does it mean to be a Hmong man? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of, of being uh, a Hmong man. Um, <clears throat> I've been raised, uh, in a Christian home. Um, and so, you know, growing up, there's a lot of struggles. Um, sometimes you hated those struggles because, you know, you were different, but now that, uh, I I've grown up, you know, you learn to accept those differences. Um, you know, whether if it's, um, height difference, um, skin color, um, to our accents, you know, you know, to our ethnicity, everything, you know, um, and I've learned to accept that and, and I'm very proud and it, it helps when you have friends of, of, you know, other, you know, Hmong as well, you know, that you help each other grow up, you know, you help each other accept who you are and, and be proud of who you are and that, uh, you know, you're remembering that even though we may be different on the outside, you know, when we were we bleed, we still bleed the same. Uh, we are still human beings, you know. Um, <clears throat> we are still taught to, you know, love and respect each other, you know, no, no matter what background we come from. You mentioned earlier about teaching a woman to fish or te teaching your kids or also students or the next potential angler. Can you give you advice for those who wants to be the next professional angler? Uh, my advice to the up and coming anglers that are, are very interested, um, I'd say, you know, continue to study, stay in school because, um, you know, knowledge is, is key. Um, <clears throat> you have to have knowledge to, to be able to continue to move forward um, because fishing is not just about casting a line out there and, and, and getting lucky or whatever. You, know, you still have to have knowledge. You still have to have, um, book smarts you still got to know math because you still have to calculate you know calculate everything such as your gas you know your your income you know because when you start to do this you know um it becomes part of your financial um what you want to call it uh what do you call it um your income so when you when you fish professionally it becomes your income and, and if, if you don't stay in school you won't have the knowledge to you know, work out these numbers, you know, to, to help each other out. Um, <clears throat> and also continue to fish with everybody, you know, be open-minded. Uh, don't just limit yourself to a friend, a brother, a, a, you know, a father or whoever. Um, the more you reach out there to other anglers, the more you, the faster you learn, the faster you will excel and, and be at the top of your, your game. Thank you for the wise words. Now, lastly, KBL, Kangaroo Lure, Danny, where can we follow you? Where can we find you? Please give us that quick pitch. All right. I am on Facebook, uh, Kangaroo Lures. I'm also on Instagram at uh, Team KBL. Um, I also have a website. Uh, it's KangaroLures.com. Uh, you know, that's my last name. K-H-A-N-G-B-R-O-L-U-R-E-S. Dot com 
um, <clears throat> you can always reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. You know, if you you know anybody has any questions, or you know whether if it's about my lures, fishing in general, just anything. You know, anything fishing. Um, I'm all, always willing to help. Um, I'm always trying to you know pass on the the knowledge that I've learned. You know, and, and it, it might not be a whole lot, but I'm trying to try my best to pass on what I have learned from. You know all the anglers I fished with. You know from my grandpa, my dad, you know for everybody. And so you know it, it, it's a passion of mine to see another person, you know, happy. Um, you know, like I said, my my passion right now is, is to make sure that the ladies um, enjoy this sport as well. And so I'm always promoting the ladies to fish with you know the guys, and I'm always pushing the guys to bring their ladies as well. Not just their kids, not just their son, but their daughters as well as as their wives. You know that way you can all enjoy together. You know, um, you don't want to just be alone by yourself on the lake, all by yourself. You know, um, <clears throat> you always want to have somebody to conversate with. You know, it, it just makes the whole day better. You know, especially when you can build these memories with your wife and your kids. You know, if you don't have kids, if you have a wife, take her out, girlfriend out. Um, you know, <clears throat> be patient. You can always you can learn a thing or two from each other, you know. And when you work together, everything goes better. Well, thank you. We are so appreciative of the time of being on our podcast. Uh, in the meanwhile, fish on, brother. Fish on. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, you know, like I said, <clears throat> anytime you you know want to conversate again, you know, uh, let me know, and uh, we'll get back on here and speak some more. And definitely, like I said, we we can definitely fish as well. I'll be, I'll be happy to take you out. Well, that ends our episode. If you haven't yet, visit our website at www.momentalk.com or find us on Facebook, Moment Talk. Lastly, if you're listening on, on us on a podcast from Stitcher or Spotify, Google Play or iTunes, please give us an honest rating. One last thing, we want to give a shout out and DJ Peter for allowing us to use your song and beats. Thank you so much. You can check them out on YouTube.